and welcome to episode 122 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The trade deadline has come and gone. It's time to lock in as the drive to the Super Bowl is working up the gears. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. And while some teams have an eye on the finishing line, there's some who are already out of the race. We'll be giving our post-week eight review as to who makes the postseason and who is already done. So let's pick. Let's pick. Let's kick off, Paul, as we always do, by looking back at week eight and some of the headlines, some of the things that sort of uh, sparked your interest, raised your eyebrows, as you will. Uh, and of course, what we'll do is we'll go in from there. We'll do our weekly awards, and then we'll start to talk about how we see things playing out from a sort of postseason and who's already done point of view. What were the games that really caught your eye uh, from week eight? Well, I think you've got to start with the Vikings winning in Lambeau. Now I know it was an empty Lambeau, but you know, they weren't favoured in that one at all. And interesting that, you know, Adam Rogers had given the Vikings coach all the love in the world and all the praise in the world. And some were saying, ah, it's simply because you normally beat them. Well, Mike Zimmer came out and said, no, no, this is how we do it. What what a performance that was. That caught my eye. Um, the other one that caught my eye was the Raiders beating the Browns. Now, I know it turned into a really horrible day, and the reason for the rain was I stuck in Derek Carr as my quarterback in my fantasy team, so obviously the rain decided to come on down. I'm not convinced whether the Raiders are for real or not, but they're starting to look that way, aren't they? Yeah, and and do you know what? It's an interesting one because the Raiders is one of those teams when we come on to the next bit about who makes the postseason, they're definitely in the mix. Uh, The Browns are as well, and I think that Losing Odell Beckham Jr. has definitely going to have implications there because he is such a threat. He draws attention from defenders that allows some of the other guys to get separation. Immediately, you've now got guys like Jarvis Landry who are under much more coverage. Nick Chubb still missing for them. Kareem Hunt's doing a great job in the backfield, but he needs some backup. You know, he's been carrying an injury. The Raiders still just getting results. Four and three, and you know, I've already apologised for saying that they were bereft of talent at the start of the season. They definitely are, and they're they're finding a way to get things done. Though they're not doing it in the most glamorous way. You know, Josh Jacobs had such a great year last year. I don't think he's been as good. Even Waller hasn't been quite the threat he was last year, but they're just getting it done. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, I made the mistake of putting him in my fantasy team last year. Thanks for that, Nelson. Um, but even Henry Ruggs and what have you, there's there's definitely pieces in there, and the Raiders look good enough to 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 beat the teams that maybe in those games you would traditionally see them lose. They're now winning those marginal games, and I think that's a really big important thing. Uh, obviously, they had a couple of impressive victories along the way there as well, uh, and they find themselves four and three. So a, a really fascinating one for the for the Vikings as well. I thought it was really interesting to hear Mike Zimmer come out and say afterwards, at no point did they feel like they had the game in their grasp. Even at the end there, they kind of felt like, oh God, you know, this is this is the Packers, we've got to watch this. Um, Dalvin Cook, third player with four touchdowns in a game in Minnesota Vikings history, he had a game. Uh, having missed a couple, obviously they had the bye week that allowed them to rest him, and he's clearly benefited from it as well. Um, the Vikings now 2-5, Again, we'll talk about it later on, but um, maybe this is just a little bit too late in the grand scheme of things. But uh, interesting one for for them, and and great for Mike Zimmer because you know even Aaron Rodgers had come out and said that he was wondering, you know, how on earth is Mike Zimmer on the on the hot seat conversation? How does that happen? Um, uh, but good to see the Vikings get a win. For me, the the ones that sparked my interest were the close ones. I think that the Steelers Ravens was telling. 
And really, this could have gone either way. Now, out of the pick six, I think it was only uh, one of us. I think it was only Charles that picked the Steelers. I can't remember now off the top of my head. But certainly, most of us thought the Ravens were going to win that. But the Steelers continue. Uh, 7-0, just the second time. Uh, the only other time, 1978. And they continue to look impressive. They, they did what they needed to do. The Ravens did a lot of running of the ball. They did some throwing of the ball. Maybe not enough throwing off the ball. Um, but the Steelers just look really clinical at the moment. They're just getting it done. You know what's annoying me is the Lamar Jackson narrative, this narrative that people are trying to invent that they can't win the big games. I think that's nonsense. I think he's a really good player. He's the MVP. He, he, he doesn't you know, just win against soft teams. And arguably, the Ravens were in a position to win the game. And if we'd won the game, we're not talking about that. And when you're talking about little knife-edge things like that, I don't think anybody deserves to be criticised in the way that, that he was. Simple as that. And I think people thought they would win because of the home field advantage. And I think we just continue to see the effects of COVID and not having crowds has all over. Um, you know, the Colts went in this week. They won big. Now, I, I think that's quite an interesting one because I still think they're a very good team. And I think they showed it. They went in and handled the Lions. who have lost seven of their last seven at home, which does take some doing. They're probably lucky they don't have fans in the stadium at the moment. The strangest game... Camera had to be Rams against the Dolphins. You know, it was two a time. Uh, you could have played at quarterback and they would have beaten the Rams. <laughs> you know, the, the Rams went into self-destruct mode and Tua simply did what he had to do. Now, I, I, argue, I would argue that any of the crop of the first, first or second, third-round quarterbacks that are playing in the league for the first time this year would have done exactly the same. What did we learn about Tua? Absolutely nothing. So we need to find two a time will come another time we found that and a, a little bit I, I suspect like the Packers you have bad days the Rams had an awful day you know and you know every time it went to red zone it was just hysterical to see because you knew something big was coming up um, and it was always going against the Rams now I'm not a big Rams fan people know that but I is it a cause for concern no they're allowed a bad game and that's what we've seen I think there is not a team with the exception of Pittsburgh that hasn't had a bad game this season. So suddenly you know, somebody's a bad game and they drop out the MVP running or, you know, we, we've got to realise that history tells us a lot. Very few teams go 16-0. and 14-2 and is considered, you know, almost a creme de la creme type season, even 13-3. and So there are going to be weeks where it simply doesn't work for you. We go to work and sometimes it doesn't work for us. You know, I mean, out of these 122 podcasts, I'm sure one of them hasn't been that good. Probably the one I wasn't on, but I, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> the, the other one that, that, that absolutely stunned me, um, and simply because on our pick six we had it, and I went for the Chargers, and it wasn't until Tuesday that I realised the Chargers had lost. I had just presumed they were so far ahead against the Broncos team with Drew Lockett quarterback, I was stunned. What a throw to win it. I mean, that was fantastic work. But, jeez, what are the charges up to? They are in the kind of form, Cameron, that gets Anthony Allen a little knock on the door at the end of the season. Off you go. There's your wee box. Fill your stuff. Bye. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. I thought that it was done and dusted. You know, there's a lot of hype about Justin Herbert. And again, I thought he played very well. There was a couple of throws that he made that were tremendous. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, 278 yards for a rookie uh, for a rookie quarterback that we questioned whether or not he would even play that much this year. 
fine. Do you know what? That, that Broncos defense is not a bum defense. Uh, Drew Locke on the other side, though, had a really good night. 248 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and led his team down the, uh, down the field and got that done. So it was a fascinating game. And actually, this uh, I genuinely feel like the Chargers are, are better than a 2-5 and five team. Uh, the Broncos have had uh, a number of injury issues that sees them as a three and four, and you've got the Raiders as a four and three. If you take the Chiefs out of this, it's actually very competitive between the remaining three. And it's competitive in a, although there's a, some losing records in there, it still feels sort of positive, and there's like, it feels like there's green shoots of hope there. Compare that to the NFC East, where it's competitive, but for all the wrong reasons, and you're desperately scrambling for some grass in a dusty bath of empty gloom and despair um there's not a lot to get excited about in the nfc east and i genuinely think the afc west is one of the more exciting divisions it hard you know held back by the fact that the chiefs are so far ahead you know if you look at it from a who's going to win the division i genuinely don't see anyone i don't see anyone but the chiefs for the next four years uh, unless there's some kind of injury to Mahomes or something weird happens i just don't see anyone making the the, the massive step forward needed to compete with the chiefs but it's a very uh, exciting division and that was a very exciting game the, the other one that actually ended up being a lot closer than we probably expected it to be was the Saints-Bears. Um, and obviously the Saints have issues with the wide receiver core. Michael Thomas still sitting out, still not there, has to be a worry. I've, maybe I'm overthinking it. It feels like there's something more going on here um, because it just feels like there's this continual, he's just about practicing, but it's not quite making it. Are you worried yourself? Yeah, I mean, the big guy's not not doing the big easy, is he? I mean, if you're Drew Brees, you go and knock on his door and say, oi, you know, it, it's time for us to have a sit. Just you and I, no coaches, no nothing. Let me know if you're coming back, because if not, I've got to move on. Now, Sanders was obviously on COVID. Callaway, who played pretty well. So they were there without receivers one, two, and three. Now, Alvin Kamara was being asked to do a lot of receiver work. The, the thing that was driving me nuts, Cameron, was the play calling. I don't know what Sean Payton's third down play calling is like, but the number of times, and other people will recognise this from their own team sometimes, if you're on third and eight, you cannot throw short. You cannot throw six yards and expect the guy to get two. I would rather you were targeting nine, 10, 11 yards. You know, and if the guy drops it, the guy drops it. But the number of calls that he made, either the hideous swing pass out to the right to Kamara. I mean, one of them, the boy was almost in Kamara's pocket when the ball was thrown to him. So it's just some horrible play calling. If you're going to use Kamara out wide, use him out wide as a wide out. Stop putting him slightly to the side. He's starting five or six yards behind the line of scrimmage. And if the defenders read it, you're getting absolutely melted. And um, if, yeah, if you look at the game as well, 15% on third down efficiency isn't a good percentage. You know, Chicago's 33. And I'll be honest, I I would traditionally trust Drew Brees on third down more than I would trust Nick Foles. That's just yeah, from but, a pure gut reason, you know. That, uh, so there's yeah, clearly something's not right there. But the previous week, I mean, the Saints, I think, were 10 or 12 on first down. So sometimes it works and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But I think you've got to go with the, the correct plays. Now, did they deserve to win? Yes, I think they did. I thought the Bears D did a great job. I can't understand why the Saints didn't run the clock out. You know, if they'd missed that field goal. Now, we've got Will Lutz, one of the best kickers in the league. Now, he'd missed one already because the laces hadn't been turned and obviously it hit, it hit the, the post. But to me, you take the time off the clock. If the Saints had missed that, Chicago could have gone and won it. Now, the Saints will tell you they've got the best field goal kicker. They knew he was going to kick it. But 
most coaches are risk averse. Just run, just kneel for two plays and let the boy kick it. I I, I thought that was that was kind of dumb uh, from a Saints point of view. So I'm, I've not been overly impressed with with some of the coaching. But if we can get the top three receivers back, I think it'll make all the difference to the game in the world. Um, we'll come on to Monday Night Football and probably wrap up with that, but just a couple of things to mention before. Atlanta won six of the last seven against Carolina. They, they want to play Carolina every week now. That's the current request. <laughs> um, but well done for the Falcons, who sort of semi-sorted themselves out. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, I'll be honest, I quite enjoyed seeing him fumble that ball to give up the game right at the end. <laughs> um, a big game, that one, because it now puts the Bills on 6-2, and two, leaves the Patriots on 2-5, and five, and actually the Patriots might not even finish second in that division, depending on how things go in Miami. So a really interesting one to see what they do from here. Um, do they just write off the season, or you know, what are they going to do? Does Stidham come in now and play, or do they stick with Cam? What are they going to learn there? I'm not totally sure. Well done to the Bengals. I thought a really convincing. No one saw it coming. 31-20 victory over the Titans. Uh, Gio Bernard coming in and doing Joe Mixon's job from with no bother whatsoever. So you know they've clearly got some talent in the backfield and I think that great for Joe Burrows as well To the, the more wins he can get this season the better and the fact that he can do it against a good Titans team I thought was really interesting and we'll come into the trade deadline but then to see the Titans go and make a bunch of moves on defence clearly they're not happy with what how that's been going this year uh, and they've made some adjustments but you know uh, well not Chiefs Jets there's not a lot of point to talk about that 0-8 Jets well there is oh, right, there okay. is there okay. is now what a bunch of ball bags the Chiefs are <laughs> Let's just let's just be upfront and honest about this. This might be one of the wackier takes that people are getting this week. But what a bunch of ball bags! They are like a parent playing their kiddie at football with five-a-side goals in the back garden, and you know they pretend to let the kid get lots of pressure, and then they just ding one in from thirty yards into the top corner of the kid's goal. You know, brushing the ball past the ear of the kid as it goes past them, and the kid goes off screaming to its mother. I just thought they picked on them in the most awful ways. Now, to be fair, they did give it to LeVon Bell, and Bell, you know, if the Jets were deciding that Bell wasn't going to beat them, to be fair, he didn't. Um, and Bell's now going to get out of my fantasy team because I thought he'd have a big game. <laughs> I just felt they toyed with the Jets a little bit. Darnold looked decent, but it was almost one of these things. Yeah, okay, we've done it first down, we didn't do far. Second down, no, no. Third down, hang on. Let me show you. Bang, yeah, catch, right. Enzo, you know, and just traips off. You, know, you almost got the fact that Mahomes was walking off before the ball had been caught, you know, by the boy running to the end zone. I, ju I just thought it was just one of those games where it looked like they picked on them a little bit. And I am I am obviously in jest, but it, it did. It looked like two teams from different leagues, not different divisions, different leagues. So it, it did. And it was, <laughs> you're right, it was bullying. Uh, but I quite enjoyed seeing it, to be honest. Uh, another team that got bullied was my own, the 49ers, as the Seahawks dominated that one. Ten points difference. It really doesn't tell the story. This was a doing. And yet more injuries. Um, as we go into Thursday Night Football, where I think we're playing the coaches tonight. Um, I think that's pretty much where we've got to now. So let's hope that Shanahan can run his own schemes. It'll be interesting to see how well he knows his own playbook. Um Obviously, the Seahawks were dominant. You know, I, I got a lot of heat on the NFL Scotland WhatsApp chat for DK Metcalf scoring a bunch of points. At no point did I say that DK Metcalf was a bum. At no point did I question his abilities. <laughs> Honestly, you make one query about the overhype of one particular running play and you get nothing but abuse. But that's fine. I didn't bite at them. I didn't need to because he's, he's class. Do you know what? He's, he's a monster. He is a Calvin Johnson type player in that his size is such he's going to draw double coverage and if he doesn't he's going to score a bunch of points 
He's hard to mark. He's hard to tackle. He he is a dominant, dominant player, and he is a massive part of why this Seahawks team is is looking so good. Um, and actually, it's funny you said you know every team's had a bad game apart from the Steelers. I would say even the Seahawks haven't necessarily had a bad game. Not on offense. They've had uh, maybe some subpar performances on defense, but now they get Carlos Dunlap, who they traded for, of course, coming in, and Jamal Adams comes back from injury. So that defense is going to get an upgrade. And you know, again, we'll come on to this when we talk about our postseason. But they are they're in fine form in what is a really tough division. The the Dolphins coming back to that one, and I meant to say they've clearly got a number on the NFC West, though, because they've given the Niners and the Rams a doing when nobody really saw it coming, <laughs> and a proper doing as well. So they'll be like, "Can we play the NFC West every week?" Um, very impressive, all right. But let's—I'm skipping over Cowboys Eagles as well because, to be perfectly honest, that's. It was just pish, right? It just was. So we'll move on and we'll go to Monday Night Football because that one surprised me about how close it was. Um, and actually, I thought the Buccaneers and Brady didn't really look in their groove at all. I think there's two things that come out here. One is the Bucks went into the game fully expecting to win. And second, the Giants went into the game fully expecting to lose. Now, what that does is it reduces the Bucks' performance is it increases the Giants' performance. And I think that's what you saw. You saw the Giants playing a little bit better because they didn't think they were going to win. And Tampa, hey, we're going to win this anyway. And I think we get games like that throughout the season. I think it's pretty hard to get up for 16 games, you know, of that level. Um, you know, you know, baseball plays 162 games. Basketball plays, you know, it seems about 1,000 games at times. You know, it's sort of uh, it's a 72 game season, then all the postseason games. So there are times you're not going to be up for it. And it is harder in the NFL because you play so few games. And I just think that was that was the perfect combination. Now, talking about the Eagles and Cowboys, just very briefly, because, you know, if you're Sunday night football, they're two staples of Sunday night football. Now, at least you can flex them out. I mean, the poor boy at ESPN, Monday night football, fix your scheduler. Um, now, yes, you've got to be able to have a tarot card, a crystal ball, seance, you know, somebody, you know, back to the future DeLorean to try and get it all right. But some of their picks are looking horrible. And, you know, Jets Patriots in week nine should look pretty safe let's be honest and it's just who's going to watch that <laughs> indeed who's going to watch it indeed right let's go to the awards let's start first of all with some of the tweets uh we've obviously not talked about a couple of things because they're going to get mentioned here yes so ben blackpool curry he got in touch of course bobag straight in uh jacob wims uh, thinking punching punching a helmet and running away deserves bobag every day of the week I think that's pretty fair. And I'm not sure we'll have any more nominations for it. But Stuart Taylor, his belter is the Dolphins' defensive scheme. Baufin is the LA Chargers' ability to see out a game. And the ball bag is whoever administered Trent Brown's IV. Uh, Lauren Callahan, his belter is the Dolphins' defensive performance, meaning that Tua didn't have a lot of pressure thrust upon him in his first start. Baufin is the Chargers inheriting the Falcons' ability to give up a seeming win. And Bobag is Javon Wims, his sucker punching the Saints' DB. Sure, Paul will have a lot to say on this. And I'll let you have your say, Paul, don't worry. Uh, a couple other ones. Belter, uh, Cook melting pot. Sorry. Cook melting the Packers' defense. This is David Old. Baufin for him is also the Chargers. And Bobag is Cam Newton. Uh, I'm a pa Pats fan not used to losing. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Can't even bring myself to w mock my wife's Jets team. Wow, that's, <laughs> I tell you what, David's in a pit of despair himself right there if you can't mock the Jets. Polly, our resident Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Uh, Belter is the Bengals. Baufin, 
the ESPN commentary on Bucks Giants, they made Booger look competent. Ooh, no, <laughs> I watched it in 40, so I didn't watch the whole thing. Therefore, I maybe didn't pick up on some of the nuances of that. And his Bob Ag is Javon Wims. Uh, actually, he's saying Javon Wims is too easy. So he's gone for Garner Johnson for his antics on the previous play and changing his name this week to CD Juice, definite Bob Ag tendencies. I haven't followed that story. I'm going to have to go and dig into that one. Yes, it's not one that I've come across. I mean, I think we can... I think we can agree that players get upset on a field, but, and yeah, there was a little wee finger pointing and all this sort of stuff, but you don't go up to somebody, tap them on the shoulder and belt them in the helmet. You know, I mean, the, you are going to get hurt, you know, your hand against the helmet, you know, it, it makes utterly no sense. I mean, if, if you want to hurt the guy, you know, a swift knee to the groin might actually, I mean, if you're going to get ejected, you know, you may as well get ejected. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of my favourite cartoons, Cameron, was a picture of a guy watching television. You have no idea what he's watching. It was Fred Bassett cartoon, and the dog's thinking, oh, wow, next one. What a punch that was. Really connected there. And the third, you know, was, uh, yeah, the ref was quite right to send him off. You know, so you're obviously thinking you're watching boxing, and it's, <laughs> it's football. But it, it just made utterly no sense, and there appeared to be very little contrition and People know my the way I think about it. I mean, if I'd been a Saints player, I'd be going absolutely berserk. I don't care that a Saints player got hit. He wasn't going to get hurt. It's just dumbness. If you're a Chicago Bear walking back into the, the locker room and you see the guy, what do you say? You can hardly go, unlucky man. You know, you just go, you know. Yeah. This, this is where Cameron, once this has been recorded, we'll just put in a series of bleeps because that's <laughs> what it would be. Um you know, you can't just put a hand on his shoulder and say, unlucky big man. You know, you're letting your team down, and that is that is the definition of ball baggery. So a couple more here. Tony B, uh, his belter, rather than it being a ball bag for the Chiefs, his belter goes to the Broncos for their comeback, reinforces, you know, their comeback further reinforces why we love the NFL. We talked about that, absolutely. Yeah. These are the thrilling games. Bowfin, so many NFC East options, but arse up. Vince gets the nod, howlingly bad. And Bob Ag for him is also Javon Wims. Uh, pretty much, right, they're all Javon Wims for Bob Ag until, until I tell you otherwise, because I think they all are. <laughs> Scott Frames, Belter is Delvin Cook as well. What a return from injury. Bowfin is Cam Newton. Brilliant play from the Bills defence point of view, but his, he's experienced enough not to lose the ball in the last seconds of a game to lose it. It's a very good point, actually, to make that kind of mistake, no matter what defence you're up against, you just got to hold on to the ball. Get a few more. They're already in field goal range. Yeah, a really bad one. Uh, the pen, they say the belter is Russell Wilson, is balling. Bowfin is Jared Goff, who had a shock against the Dolphins. Uh, Darren Barry also puts his foot forward for Dalvin Cook. Bowfin also goes to Cam and the Patriots. And then George Jackson, he gives his belter to two on the Dolphins. It was a good week all round for rookie quarterbacks. It was other than Herbert, who came so close to making it three for three. Um, Bowfin for him is the Titans. Uh, ball back for him, Jason Wims. Jason Wims. Jeez. Javon Wims. Uh, absolute ball back behavior, but he's added an extra. Also, Antonio Brown, just because he's back. So <laughs> Hard to disagree with that. It is hard to uh. disagree. So... What about you, Paul? Where are your rewards going this week? I think when a player does something particularly special, you've got to take it into context to decide whether it's their job or whether it's truly something special. You know, I speak to so many football managers after a game and you'll, you'll see a goalkeeper's made a save and you usually get a, yep, that's what they get paid for. So Dalvin Cook, in terms of running, Mike Zimmer and his best Scottishness would go, yep, 
That's what he gets paid for. But you've got to put it into context. He's done something very few Vikings have done. He's done it on the field of their most hated rival. And he's done it to help save their season. Uh, because one and six, you know, they, they are done and dusted. Uh, two and five, I mean, it's not it's not a great help, but it shows some of the draft players are now coming on. So it wouldn't be an automatic somebody scoring four touchdowns, they'd get it. But the circumstances dictates there's nowhere else I'm going. Yeah, I, I'm going to completely agree with you. I don't think there's anybody else more willing of it this week. Um, and actually, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lead us on to the next one, and I'm going to deal with Bobag because for me, there is no one other than Javon Wims that gets it this week. It's just, uh, you know, there's there's a bit of other Bobag behaviour out there, but really, leagues and leagues ahead of the next best thing. Javon Wims swinging his arms, and what seems to be all around someone stealing his mouth guard um, and just laying in. I just, do you know what? He did his teams no favours. His team was in the game. He's disrupted their team, and adjusted the momentum. They're suddenly thinking about, oh my God, what's just gone on there? And he's taken the focus off that game. Actually, the Saints benefited from that in a way because if the Bears had continued, the momentum might have carried them in. So I think he's not just done himself, but he's done his, his entire team. He's let himself down. He's let his team down. Complete ball back behaviour. Yep, I absolutely agree. What, what about uh, Bowfer? I mean, there's a few few candidates. There is, but I'm going to give it to the ongoing injury situation in San Francisco. It is a boofing situation. It, I, I'm going to make a bold claim, and I've got nothing to back it up. I'm not sure an NFL team in history has ever had the injury issues that the 49ers have had this year. And I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there's something in the conditioning, if there's something about the way that the routes that you know, is it is it Shanahan's playbook is such that the players are moving in a way that they're not used to playing and therefore they're putting extra strain on their body? I, I, I've got nothing to back any of this up. I don't know what's going on, but everybody's broken. Everybody has had an injury. Um, and if you look at the situation going into the game tonight against the Packers, given the fact that there's... Um, now a couple of people on the, the COVID, you know, Brandon Ayuk, who was the one sort of shining light. And it's like, for goodness sake, there's just nobody left. So there, there's there's major, major problems. Genuinely, and, and I know I'm going to sound like an absolute homer uh, and totally biased, but to get to four and four, um, I think has been a decent outcome given what's gone on. Um, I think that obviously there was a lot of expectation, certainly that we'd make the postseason. There was a lot of people still expected us to win the division. I think even if we'd been 100% fit, it would have been no sure thing. I think it would would have been between us and the Seahawks. Um, the Rams would be in the mix as well. But I you know, I would still be competing with a full-strength team. It's just horrific. There's there's Everybody's broken. And really, I, I'm, I don't even know as a fan what I want from the season. I can't decide whether it's time to tank and ca- try and get as high a pick as possible because even with four wins, traditionally that would kind of get you a, a top five pick. Do we just settle for four wins and go, do you know what, guys, go and learn. Let's go and try some funky stuff and let's play about with the playbook and do something a bit different, see what works and see what doesn't. That's not going to be fun to watch as a fan. We're going to get a horse in. And I genuinely think we could get a nil tonight against the Packers as well. Um but maybe that's the best outcome. Go and get a really high valuable piece next year. Maybe go get a quarterback that's coming out there. Um, I, I don't. I genuinely don't know. I do not know what to to, to take from it. I think the situation is boffing. I think in Al Guido, you've got one of the top sports execs in the country, and if he's got any concerns about the level of injuries, I mean, there's there's a lot of new technology that's coming out, and there are sports teams that are running. You know, basing it more on analytics in terms of training, support, 
recovery, it's becoming more and more technological based. Um, and I think San Francisco, if they don't use that, will shortly be doing so because, you know, there are ways. I think Atalanta is used in Italy as an example of a team that uses it, you know, to try and avoid injuries and muscle injuries, the, the ones that keep you out for, for a long time. We're not talking about sort of the freak ones that happen on the on the field. So I think they, they have got to try and sort that out. I mean, my, my Bowfin is Chicago Bears fans that are now, seeming to think Mitchell Trubitsky, Brett Favre, you know, oh, oh well, if, if Mitch Trubitsky had been in there, we would have beaten the Saints. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> eh? Yeah. You know, it's, these are the same people that, you know, probably expect Scotland to go to Serbia and win about 7 nothing next week because we played so well against Israel. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, come on. It's like, let's let's not forget the past as we go forward. Um, and that, to me, you know, there are noises in Chicago about Mitch Trubitsky coming back. Now, to me, the coach has made a decision. He doesn't want Trubitsky in there. He wanted Foles. That's why he got them. Now, Foles turns to be a bust. You've got to bring somebody else new in. I don't think there's a rehabilitation. Uh, it's the old story, and fans who, who are listening to this will know your, your football team, your NFL team, your baseball team, a player is never a better player than when they've been out injured for a long time. Yeah, indeed. So we had the trade deadline this week. Uh, a couple of teams were active. Both of our teams were active. We've got so many injured players, we thought we'd get rid of some. So that's always fun. Uh, well, let's start there. And obviously the, the Saints, well, actually, I suppose we did get Kiko Alonso back the way. So it is one for one. Kiko Alonso came to San Francisco along with a fifth round pick in exchange for Quan Alexander. Um, I think that Alexander is definitely an upgrade on Alonso at the linebacker position. That helps, I think, the Saints. There's a lot of money there, which is fine, but I'm sure the Saints can absorb that uh, for San Francisco to get some money off because we're going to have to pay Fred Warner at some point, who I think is a better linebacker. So I'm okay with it, I'll be honest. And again, given the season that we've had, we're not making the postseason. So, um, yeah, it works out fine for me. It was one of these ones. I mean, Anzalone's not been playing particularly well. and They've been playing the special teams captain in that linebacker, and he's too slow. Um, so I don't really fancy that very much. I would have liked to see the Saints get more help in the secondary, to be honest, rather than, than at linebacker. I think they could be patched up easily enough at linebacker. So it was an exciting trade. No, no, it wasn't. Um, you could have anybody called Williams as well. We would have shuffled them out to you quite happily. Um, I just think it, it was quite low-key, but, I mean, you mentioned the Titans. The Titans, you know, the high positions you get, you know, the, the linebackers sometimes will make a difference, you know, your running backs, quarterbacks, receivers. But any coach will tell you in the NFL, it's the lines. It's all about the lines. And if you've got a problem with them, you've got to strengthen them up. And Tennessee do have a problem. And they've tried. <laughs> they've tried. I actually think for the Titans, though, the one that, that interested me for a pickup was Desmond King coming from the Chargers at, in the secondary, the defensive back, uh, for a second, for a six-round pick. Um He's a punt returner as well. He's a player when I knew he was available, I was like, ah, quite like the Niners to pick him up. You're saying that the Saints obviously need secondary support. Could have been a good pick up there as well. The Titans only gave up a sixth round pick as well for him, which feels really low price. Um, but I think that's a really interesting one. I, 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 I don't really understand why the Chargers were so desperate to get rid of him. I, I think he's a good player. So I was surprised by that one. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just because, I mean, there weren't that many high-profile moves. Zeke Elliott didn't move on, as, as I predicted last week that he might. Um, but there, there, there weren't that many. And I think, again, that might just come down to the, the COVID, the restrictions and, and things like that. I think we've just seen less less movement this year. Well, that's it. So the the Dolphins pick up DeAndre Washington from the Chiefs. Obviously, Gaskin's out for a couple of weeks. They needed some running back coverage. That's an okay trade. They didn't give up an awful lot for it. Fine. Isaiah Ford's gone to New England. Uh, rare intra-divisional tr- intra trade uh, between the Dolphins and them. The the only other one that was interesting, and it was more because of the social media tweet that went with it, was the Steelers picking up Avery Williamson from the Jets. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Paul, but Avery Williamson nope. dressed himself in his full Jets uniform and stood outside, uh, took a photo of himself thumbing down a taxi and posted it saying, next, next stop Pittsburgh, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> He was wearing I his like helmet that. and everything. Honestly, oh. it was brilliant. I thought it was a really, really, really fun and good post. So uh, Steelers get more help uh, in their linebacker position as well. That's already a good defense. So oh, we talked about Carlos Dunlap going in. I think that's a good piece for the Seahawks. Definitely one that they need. Everson Griffin's gone to the Lions. Interesting one. I think the line season might be done. Uh, and then obviously the Ravens picked up Yannick Ngokwe earlier on, uh, right at the end of October as well. So that was pretty much it. There really wasn't an, an awful lot to get excited about. So let's get excited about the Super Bowl. Let's move on and let's look at that. Because after week eight, I think this is at the position where we can start talking now about who's making the postseason and whose season are we absolutely writing off. We've already written off the Jets. I say we. I wrote them off after week one, I think. Um... The Jets are done. There's no way. So the, the Jets story is over for the season. Done and dusted. Is there anyone else's seasons that we want to write off first before we move into the postseason conversation? I've got my list here. So I've got two lists. One list is done and one list is done but watchable. So the Jags, Texans, Chargers, Falcons, Panthers, the NFC East I don't care about, and the Jets. I think the watchable teams, because they're storylines, Bengals, because of Burrow, uh, Broncos, because of Drew Locke, they've started to interest me, and the Vikings, because they've got so many new players. And if you're capable of beating Green Bay, they're probably worth watching. But certainly uh, the fork in, in the ones, you know, the, the Jags, the Texans have been a disaster. We thought they would be. The Chargers, you know, I went on last season. I loved the Chargers, but they just keep disappointing you. Um, the, the Falcons and Panthers, they, they will bring interest because obviously they're going to play the Saints and Bucks. Um, that's my interest. You know, for other people and the fans of these teams, there will still be things people want to see. You want to know, you know, are you going to be so bad there's going to be a coaching change? Or for the likes of the Falcons, you know, are you going to keep the same coaching? Is it simply to nurse you through to the end of the year? The Panthers have a little bit of interest with Matt Rule in his first year, just not so much for me, but I still think there's, there's there's interest. I don't know if there's anybody you'd add to that. Um, yeah, it's a difficult. So, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kill some kill some seasons first and foremost. Right, so these are seasons that are not going to amount to any postseason action at all. And I think that we can put the the Jets are already in there. Right, we know that is the case. I think we put the Bengals in that conversation. Watchable for the story, but they're not making the postseason. Definitely not. Um, I think the Detroit Lions are in that conversation, which is interesting. I just don't see enough from them to get going. But bizarrely, I'm not going to count out the Vikings yet 
because I feel like the Vikings have the talent capable to, to turn it around. And actually, if you look at their remaining schedule, there is a chance that they get... You, I mean, it's a small chance. But there is a chance that they end up the season because they're 2-5 and five at the moment. I think they've got two more games. They've got the Bucks and they've got the Packers. Right? And let's just say they lose both those games. Um, beyond that, they've got the Lions, the Bears, the Cowboys, the Panthers, the Jaguars, the Bears again, and the Lions again. So they play the Lions twice, they play the Bears twice. So in theory, they could win all four of those. So there's four wins. You've got the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Jags. I think they're all winnable, in theory. So that's seven wins, which would put them on nine for the season. So then you give them defeats to the 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 Bucks, and you give them defeats to the Saints, which ends them on a nine and seven, which given the extended playoffs, is the potential chance of them making the postseason. So I, I it's it's a slim chance, but there's a chance. And therefore I, I, I don't feel like I can count them off. Um you can't count anybody out in the NFC East because anybody could win that division because it stinks. Even the Giants. The Giants are only two wins away from, well, two and a half wins away from topping that division, which is mental. It's utterly horrible. If you look at the division, you've got net points, minus 19, minus 32, minus 81, minus 54. You don't have a single team over 200 points, and you've got one team, uh, the Washington football team, that name's got to get changed, it's doom and nut, Um, 165 points conceded. Um, so it's it's just it's just horrible. I mean, it, it truly is horrible. It has previously been a good division. I stand by that we should keep the divisions. There's no no problem with that. I'm not sure that you get home tie for winning your division. That that might come into question. But I, I don't disagree with 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 your assessment. So, somebody's got to come out of that, and at the moment it's got to be Philadelphia. Yeah. Your reasoning for the Vikings, I quite like. Um, that's why I kept them on my almost naughty but nice list, you know, a little bit of interest in there. Um, I just I just feel for the fans, of the you know, the, the Jags and the Texans, you know, who promised much and yeah. just delivered little. And, you know, you, you want to watch your, your teams, especially, you know, this year in, in COVID times, there's not been a great deal of cheer. Um, so I think you've just got to hope that when you watch, you're going to upset someone, you are going to have your day. And actually, the Jags and the Texans are two of the other teams that are done. I'm killing their season now. It's They're not making the postseason. Uh, and the Jags, fine. The Texans is just staggering oh. to be saying that right now. What a, what a waste of Deshaun Watson for a year. What an absolute waste. Um, an awful situation there that they very much need to fix and they need to fix soon. Desperately trying to trade away Will Fuller. Couldn't even agree a price for Green Bay who desperately need the wide receiver. Actually, I'm going to say Muppetry on both parts there. Both of them should have found a way to get that done because Green Bay need that wide receiver upgrade and the Texans need the pieces to to, to rebuild their team. So they're both getting absolutely killed. Um, I'm not even I'm not willing to kill anybody in the AFC West yet. Even the Chargers. I kind of feel like under Herbert, you know, as he perhaps it's too much to ask for a rookie quarterback, but because the Raiders are four and three, because the Broncos are three and four. Um, you know, it, they're three wins back from being in a postseason playoff. Uh, yeah, I'm not no, ready to kill it yet. I, it's too soon. It's too soon. Um, though, I'll, I'll, I'll take you a burger on that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not killing that. I'm not killing it yet. I'm not killing it yet. Um, the Patriots, though, 
The Patriots, I'm just about ready to kill their season. I'm not doing it yet. I think week 10 is when their season might be over. Um, I think we're two weeks away from it, being able to go call it. And I think even a win over the Jets isn't necessarily going to do anything for them there. We'll see, but it's too soon. So for me, uh, the only other two teams that I, talk, that I didn't talk about there, the Falcons, I think their season's done, uh, to be honest, because I think that division's just too hard to get the wins that they need to do anything. Um, the Panthers... The Panthers, I have a question mark, purely because Christian McCaffrey's coming back. And he is such a talent. He's not had that opportunity to build a relationship with Teddy Bridgewater. I think that that Panthers team is capable of beating people. So for me, it's a really interesting one. I'm not killing their season yet. Um, I Am I killing the Falcons? I'm actually finding myself sitting here wondering, yeah, got to kill them. It's just such, such bad play, such transition. It's such a waste because they've got so much talent on that team. Yeah, the Falcons, season over. Right, so the last one, I'm killing the 49ers. Uh, the Niners Aww. season's dead. It's it's dead because of the injuries. The, uh, too long. J- Kittle out for eight weeks. You know, Samuel out for a prolonged period of time. Um, guys on COVID, IR, guys on IR. You know, it's not like we're getting a bunch of people back next week. There's going to be a couple of weeks here. That that division is just too competitive to, to, to be able to survive that. All of these teams, and actually, slight spoiler alert, I think three teams potentially come out of the NFC West into the postseason. Uh, the 49ers are not one of them. The season's over. They need to figure out what they want from this. Um, and is it tank for picks, or is it play about with stuff and learn and, and see what you can do? 49ers, done. So that's me killed the Jets, the Bengals, the Lions, the Jags, the Texans, the Falcons, the 49ers. I'm not killing anybody else just yet. Sounds fair. So in, so in terms of... It is expanded playoffs this year, so it's seven from each. Uh, where would you like to start, NFC or AFC? Let's start in the AFC. And I think what we do, first of all, is we talk about who's winning each division at the moment, who you have for each. And let's start at the north and work our way around. So in, in the north, have you got the Ravens or have you got the Steelers? Let me have a looky. I'm, not, I'm now trying to find it. Yeah, no, I'm going with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh to win. Yeah. So I've got the Ravens to win, but this is going to okay. be a, a single game between these two, to be honest. Um, I think that, yeah, it's going to be a single game. Both of these teams are going to have great seasons for me. They're both in the playoff conversation, but I think the Ravens just pick them, pip them. East. Bills. Yeah, I concur with the Bills. We'll move on from that because I think there's maybe a conversation about someone else getting in, but that's fine. Uh, South, Titans or Colts? Uh, I think the Colts win it. Yeah, I've got the Colts to win that one as well. I think that there's enough there, and I think that the Titans have just had a few wee wobbles that are perhaps areas of concern. Uh, and then the West, the Chiefs. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong. <laughs> right, so. Yeah. So, so then we get into the wild card teams. Um, so, you know, other than the Steelers-Ravens for the divisional champions... You know, I think we can say whoever doesn't win is definitely in the playoffs. So we can count that one as well. So I've got the Steelers. At that point, you'd have the Ravens. Yeah. Fine. That's five. Who's your other two? I think the Titans get in. Okay. Because I think they've got uh, enough to bash up on in their own division. So I think the Titans are in. So it leaves one place, this mysterious wild card, seven. Yeah. Um, and it's the two teams who played each other the weekend for me. If the Raiders go on, the Raiders have got an excellent chance 
the Browns also have a chance. So it's going to come from one of those two. Uh, I, and at the moment, I'm not sure I can separate them. But that's where that's the two teams. I don't know if you've got another team in the mix. So I, I completely agree on your Titans one. Um, I think I have a, a, an additional team um, to consider in there as well. Um, and I think I've got the Dolphins as an outside chance for the postseason. Hmm. Um, so I do. I think it's Raiders, Browns, and potentially the Dolphins. And the reason for that is, right, the Dolphins play the Cardinals this week. We've just talked about that they seem to have the number over the NFC West. So if they can find a way to get to Kyler Murray and that defense can step up again, do you know what? Um, they could they could do very, very well uh, and, and, and sneak a win there. After that, they play the Chargers. So that, for me, feels like a toss-up between the two. Uh, then they play the Broncos. Then they play the Jets. Then they'll play the Bengals. Now, actually, that could be four wins quite easily. Um, beyond that, they then play the Chiefs. So let's forget that one. Then they've got the Patriots. They've got Las Vegas. And then they've got the Bills. Um, and I always think that the Dolphins seem to do very well <laughs> towards weeks 16 and 17. Just every year, they seem to just get a win about that time. I, I just think that they've got, you know, they're in a winning position at the moment. I think that there's an outside chance that they do, they, they do well. Um, uh, it's possibly not going to happen, but I definitely think they're in the mix at the moment for sure. Okay, let's go to the NFC. Your four, your four divisional winners. So starting at the north again, I I see it as the Packers. Yep. I think although there's a few blips along the way, I can't see them blipping enough to allow anyone else to come in and be consistent enough to win that one. In the East, I've got the Eagles. Agree. Best of a bad bunch, and my God, they're bad. <laughs> In the South, I have the Saints. I still have the Saints getting it done. If they could get Michael Thomas back, just get into Wendy's bloody necking. Uh, I think Quan Alexander, one thing about him is, you know, he's coming up against his old team in the Buccaneers. Um, I don't think he can play this week, though. I think that he has to play, I think there's a period of time due to COVID. So it might yeah. not make it to that game. But um, yes, I, I, I think that I, I think the Saints win the division. I've got the Saints as well. I've got, and, and no surprise who, who will be the, the team behind, behind them. So. Yeah. And, and Seattle, Seattle as it well. It is Seattle. And I don't think yeah. there's much of a conversation there. Right, we completely agree there. Fine. Bucks, I think we agree, are making the postseason. Yep. I'm now fearing how many burgers this is going to cost me. <laughs> <laughs> Please, someone beat them. Um, beyond that, I've already said I've already said that I think two of the teams could come from the NFC West. So I'm putting the Cardinals and the Rams into that conversation. I think the only thing that counts against them there, the only thing that gives other teams a chance is they've all got to play each other so much that they could knock enough wins off each other that actually the overall number at the end isn't as uh, insurmountable as it could be if they were in a, a weaker division. Um, but for me, that's other conversations. And beyond that, I'm not sure that there's any team other than the Bears, and I'll put the Vikings in there because of my earlier chat, but yeah, it's, for me, I'm in that same situation with you. I think my top six are clear. I'm clear on my top six, and it's that seventh team. I think there's three teams that contend, and it's the Bears, the Rams, and the Vikings for that seventh position. Yeah, I've got the Rams. I've got the Bears as well. And I think you're probably right, given that the Vikings are just one game off the Bears, um, and they've only played seven. 
So I think that's probably right that they should go in that mix as well. I don't see... I mean, we are then counting out Detroit, but you can't lose seven games at home in a row and expect to do anything. They're great on the road, but they're terrible at home. Um, And, you know, if they'd won one of their home games, obviously they're four and three and it's looking brighter for them. So, yeah, I mean, the Panthers aren't out of it, just depending on how they go with McCaffrey back, but I think they're done. And that's, you know, and I think a lot of people will be coming to the same conclusion that we have, that, I think the, the most interesting races are going to be for the v- divisional title. You know, can Arizona put pressure on Seattle? Can, you know, uh, Tampa Bay and the Saints, you know, somebody's going to come out of that. So I think that's where a lot of the excitement's going to come. I'm, I'm kind of feeling that by sort of week 13, 14, it's all going to be done and dusted. Uh, and I hope that's not the case because the last two weeks of the season are usually such good fun. Yes, indeed. Um, and it's especially with games on Christmas Day and things like that, there's, you definitely want it to go right up to the wire. The other thing is as well is I always think that has such big implications on fantasy football. And people that play fantasy football, most of the leagues finish in week 16. I, I'm in a couple that end on week 17. Uh, mm. And you've got to start thinking, well, hang on, some of these guys might not even start. I've had... Aaron Rodgers and my team all season long. But if you get to week 17, they've already got home field advantage, for example. Would they even bother starting them or would they give them a rest? They might well give them a rest. Um, and therefore, it's, it's, it's an interesting one when it comes down to that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's how I see it. It's interesting that I think we're both pretty clear on the top six for both. Um, I'm not sure there's much questions. It's that seventh place that makes it a little bit of a competition, which is fascinating because it's almost validated adding in that seventh position purely because that's where the competition feels like it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then. We've got that sorted. Any other news items tickling your fancy? Yeah, I'm quite interested in the fact that ABC are sniffing around Monday night, uh, Sunday night football again, which is obviously a big uh, NBC property. I think they're feeling a little bit burned by their Monday night stuff. And Disney, who owns ABC, wants more NFL games to reflect how much they pay. Uh, the Sunday night games, therefore, could land on ABC. Uh, NBC's big package gives it flexible scheduling in Super Bowl, which ABC's doesn't. Um, and I think, you know... <laughs> Live sports is the thing that gets eyeballs. You watch Game Pass and the American coverage, you see the amount of shows and promotions that come along with it. Um, These are big, big properties. It might be that ABC decide to put Monday Night Football back on ABC rather than ESPN and just simulcast it. It, To my mind, it never made much sense. I don't think you're going to subscribe to ESPN for Monday Night Football alone. I mean, ESPN pay a lot of money so they get all the rights and they can show the clips and the highlights. To me, you stick it on ABC and you save three hours of primetime programming on ABC as well. And then you can hammer, you know, all your ABC shows through it. So even if they don't get Sunday Night Football, I could see Monday Night Football going back to ESPN. I think they saw it as a gap in the market previously um, to allow them, you know, just to compete with the other networks for softer programming. But I can see that changing, Cameron. Yes, it's very much in demand. And with TV shows and the production of TV shows kind of halting, 
to an extent, live sport is the one consistent. Um, so I think that, yeah, you're right. This could it could absolutely play into the hands of sport and live sport, uh, an opportunity because that these fixtures are taking place and people do want to watch them. So uh, very interesting. I think the only other news item is this ongoing stuff around, obviously, the COVID situation. So Houston, Houston Texans now have a player who's tested positive. It means that all the, the team's going to have to shut down and work virtually and things like that. This is a disruption that all teams are going to have to face into. Um, interesting that the Niners-Packers game remains on tonight as, as, as I guess the one thing obviously we have seen games moved um, but I wonder whether or not it's and even the fact that it's Thursday Night Football some people thought you know it's on the telly they're not going to move it but we've already seen a fixture schedule change that resulted in no Thursday Night Football and everyone rejoiced and said hurrah <laughs> you know I, 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 I'm surprised they've not even tried to just even delay this Niners-Packers games by a couple of days to, to give it the chance to go ahead and make sure that there's not a further spread of COVID that could then impact on the Packers and have a detrimental impact to their season. It's not going to make much of a difference to the Niners, granted, in the grand scheme of it, but it's to the Packers. And if I'm the Packers, I'm thinking, I don't particularly want to go out there if there's guys that maybe have COVID that are going to impact us, have us in a situation where we've got to bench a bunch of people with a load of big games coming up. Yeah, but the Packers are a big draw. Thursday night football with the Packers is a big draw. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, it's to repeat the championship game, et cetera, et cetera. Big narrative around the game. So I think they're always going to try and play it. Yes, indeed, indeed. Right. Well, anyway, that's pretty much then the full-time whistle for episode 122. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter at Scotland NFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. Thank you for joining us. We always enjoy doing the podcast. Thank you for the taking the time to listen. Keep the award nominations coming and we'll be back next week to pick apart all the pieces from week nine. But until then, bye for now. If you saw our tweet earlier this week, then you'll know that we're planning another live event, this time for the Thanksgiving weekend. We're not putting on just one. No, we're putting on two live events. And once again, we're working with Stuart Brewing. Keep an eye on Twitter this weekend and on Instagram and on Facebook because we will be releasing party pack number two. This time, it's bigger. Eight beers, access to two live events and an exclusive NFL Scotland beanie. All of that for £30, including delivery, as we hope to get the NFL Scotland listeners back together once again, like we say, not for one, but for two live events this time. Keep an eye out for that. Hopefully you'll snap them up. Hopefully you'll enjoy them. We got great feedback from the party packs that we did for week one, so we thought we'd do something again. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode of the NFL Scotland podcast and keep your eyes out for those party packs.